Hey, hey. How are you? Looking pretty good for a sleep-deprived group, frankly. I set three alarm clocks last night. Three. And they all went off at the same time. It was like a demonic manifestation in our house. I'm not quite sure why I did that. Hey, Rain, this series, um, the last week in the life of Jesus, as described in Mark's gospel. And uh, as you've already heard, small groups you can sign up for. Uh, in the curriculum, there are daily Bible notes, and uh, uh, we've shot a video for this as well. In fact, I shot it in England while going on a three-day solo camping trip um, where I had to cook for myself, and I survived. So um, there's some fun stuff in there, but also some very serious things as well about the way that Jesus faced that week of Pressure. Well, we're finishing this weekend health check, looking at healthy habits of healthy churches, and we've been looking at the early church and what they did as described in Acts chapter 2. And this weekend, we're thinking about the supernatural. They were a people who experienced the supernatural power of God. And so we're going to read the verses we've been reading each week from Acts chapter 2 and verse 42. It says this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. I've been studying uh, this week to bring this message, and as I've done so, uh, I've been reminded of the fact that I am only standing on this platform this weekend because of a dynamic supernatural intervention in my life that happened three weeks after I became a Christian. And I've been, I've been in this role here at Timberline for 17 years, and I've probably talked about this two or three times. I think I can risk it um, one more time. I became a Christian at the age of 17 with no Christian background whatsoever. I thought all Christians were crazy, and I didn't want anything to do with God or, or church and I, I didn't have any biblical knowledge at all. I went to Sunday school three times as a kid, and then I, I got kicked out for bad behavior. No, I hear you cry. And um, I became a Christian, and within a few days, I started to feel a sense of calling into what I'm doing today. I, thought, I felt like God was calling me to be a pastor, and I'm like, this is, this is nuts. I'm a brand new Christian, and... Uh, this is crazy, and I, I, I didn't tell anybody about it except the girl I was going out with at the time. Her name is Kay, and I'm still going out with her. Uh, when I first met her, she thought my friend was cute, but I'm over that now. Anyway, uh, I go off to this youth weekend three weeks after I became a Christian, and we have a, there's about 150 of us, and we have this guest speaker comes in from out of town, and he doesn't know any of us. We've never met him before. And uh, he stood up on the Friday evening. I'm sitting back there, just keen to learn. And he stood up, and he said this. He said, on my way here to this retreat, God spoke to me and told me that there are three of you who are going to be going into full-time Christian leadership. And I thought, that's kind of weird. It got weirder. Because then he said, God told me your first and last names. 
He said, this will be confirmation to you. God's already been doing this. I'll be chatting with you over the weekend. And I remember sitting there thinking, I wonder who it is. I thought, it's probably that guy who's sitting on the front row who had his hands raised in worship during the announcements. I mean, he's really keen. It's probably going to be, it's going to be him. I, I didn't think for a moment it was going to be me. Well, on the Saturday night, I, I just went up to this guy after the service. And imagine this, you know, I'm 17 years old. And I've got long hair. Imagine that, like down here. I can't imagine that. And I'm wearing beads. I don't know why I was wearing beads. It was like, it was the 70s. A fashion demon roamed the earth. And I didn't introduce myself. I just went up to the preacher and I said, excuse me, sir. And I asked him a question about something random. And I, t I said, thank you. He answered me. And I turned to walk away and he tapped me on the shoulder. As I went to walk away, tapped me on the shoulder, and he said, uh, he said, your name is Jeff Lucas, isn't it? And I wasn't sure. <laughs> and I, I said, yeah. He said, God has called you to preach, son, hasn't he? He's called you into full-time leadership, hasn't he? I said, I, I, said, I, I think so. He said, well, get on with it. <laughs> Amazing prophet, terrible pastor. And within three years, Kay and I were planting a church. It's crazy. Now, some of you are looking at me going, whoa, I wish something like that would happen to me. That's awesome. I have a theory that God did that for me because he knows how stupid I am. He knows that I live a life of consistent ineptitude. He knows that sometimes on I-25 in traffic jams, I temporarily become an atheist. God knows that. So I think God shouted at me, not because of my faith, but rather because of my lack of it. He supernaturally intervened. I am here to tell you this morning, I'm going to get a bit excited about this, that there is a God, ladies and gentlemen. Man, I tell you what, <laughs> this daylight savings thing, there is a God, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, my life was changed by supernatural intervention. On the day of Pentecost, described in Acts chapter 2, there's supernatural intervention. But not just that, there's a sense of déjà vu. You ever had déjà vu? Déjà vu, French, French it, it literally means already seen. That, I, I've been here before, a, a feeling of recollection. You ever had déjà vu? You, I've been here before, a feeling of recollection. You ever had deja vu? I've been, sorry. Just, I thought about doing that earlier. I thought, I'm going to just mess with them like that. So, on the day of Pentecost, it was like deja vu because the Holy Spirit comes upon the church and this Jewish audience, as they see signs and wonders, they are reminded of the most dramatic moment in their history, which was Passover and Exodus. They are being brought back to something in history and a new exodus, a new freedom from slavery is being announced now. And even the language that Dr. Luke uses, he says that they're all in one place, in one accord. In Exodus, we hear that they are all as one people at Mount Sinai. And there's both sound and fire. This echoes Exodus chapter 19. This is not just holy magic. These signs and wonders pointed the people to something dynamic 
a new exodus, a new people, the church. God is supernaturally powerful. And sometimes I forget that. Do you, have, do you forget stuff? Like, I forget stuff. It happened, happened 15 minutes ago, actually. Why do these things happen to me? I went into my office 15 minutes ago. I plugged this in because it's not good if this dies halfway through. I'll have to sing. I plugged this in and in my office. This is absolutely true. And then I said to my friend Stephen, I said, I can't find my iPad. I think I left it at the Welcome Center. Could, I'll go look for it, Pastor Jeff. And I send him off and then I go back into my office and I pull up my iPad. Does anyone else do this? You get up and go into another room to do something and halfway through going to the other room, you forget what you're going there to do. Is anybody? Here's what slips my mind. Stuff like this slips my mind. Stuff like I'm going to live forever. That slips my mind occasionally. Stuff like God does supernatural things. We need to be reminded. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take some minutes to explore this text. And then, having talked about the supernatural, we're going to ask for the supernatural. And it's okay. It's not going to be weird or crazy or spooky. But we are going to simply ask for God's intervention. Can we agree about that? All right, number one in your bulletin. First of all, God does miracles, a truth that has been eroded. God does do miracles, a truth that has been eroded. How has it been eroded? Well, frankly, sometimes it's been eroded because we get disappointed. I want to be really honest with you. I've been a Christian now for a long time. And I haven't seen nearly as many miracles as I thought I would see. Now, I have seen some stuff, including that calling that I got. But Looking back, I've just got to be honest, I believe that God still heals today, and I haven't seen anything like what I thought I would see, and that can be disappointing. Now, some of you are looking at me right now saying, why would you say that, Pastor Jeff? That's not exactly faith building. How many know that faith is not built by hype or rhetoric or cheerleading? We need to face the truth. We don't see as much as we'd like. Sometimes the supernatural, the truth of the supernatural, has been eroded because of silliness. People have taken the supernatural power of God and they've done silly stuff. Like, and I need to be careful here, but like, I, I'm not criticizing all of those TV evangelists. Okay, there's some very good ministries on TV. But there's some stupid stuff too. Are we agreed about that? You know, right now, in Jesus' name, I want you to call the toll-free number on the screen, 1-800-PRAY-BLESS, and God is going to release to you that miracle. <laughs> I should do that. I'm pretty good at that. <laughs> I've told you this before, but some Christian television is banned in my house. Kay won't let me watch it because she doesn't like breakfast cereal dripping down the front of the TV. One morning I was sitting there eating my cereal with semi-skimmed milk and raspberries and this guy was telling me that if I sent him some money that he would break the power of oppression in my life. I just needed to put something on the visa card. What did Christians do before visa? And I'm getting angrier and angrier, more and more irritated because this is stupid. And then it was weird. 
he looked straight at me. He said, God has put something in your hand. He wants you to send my way right now. <laughs> His confirmation. Here it comes, baby. And I've been in those services, I know, where people get prayed for and the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon them and they fall over. And, and, and that sounds weird to some of us, and I've experienced that. I kind of just, just be honest. I've also been to some services where the evangelist was trying to push me over. And I'm standing there and he's like, Bleh. and I'm like, because I'm me, I'm like, I ain't, I ain't going. And occasionally I do a courtesy drop, but You don't have to kiss your brains goodbye to experience the supernatural. We need to ask questions about these things. And some people say, don't quench the spirit. If you say that, you're quenching the spirit. No, asking the questions is a way of promoting the work of the spirit. First Thessalonians 5 says, do not quench the spirit. And then a couple of verses later, Paul says, do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. There are some people who say that the miracles have ceased now. It's called cessationism. The idea that the miracles were only done by the apostles. But first of all, it's not only the apostles in the Bible that did the miracles in the New Testament. The deacons did too. The church in Corinth was encouraged to look for miracles. The churches in Galatia. Martin Lloyd-Jones, a conservative evangelical preacher, said this. The scriptures never anywhere say that the miracles of the New Testament were only temporary. Never. There is no such statement anywhere. So God does the miraculous, but let's not be just hunting for that. Let's be rooted too in scripture. I love what John Piper says. He says, I want to have my kill deep and stable in the once for all biblical revelation of God. And I want to have my sails unfurled to every movement of God's spirit upon the deeps. Last night, after the service, I started dancing in the mall. It's not a pretty sight. Why did I do that? I do that, did that because a few months ago, a young lady who came from a Muslim background in a Middle Eastern country, I'm not naming her for security reasons, I'm not even naming the country. She came from a terrible background of abuse, abandoned Islam, and became an atheist. And then she had two dreams in which Jesus appeared to her. She gave her life to Jesus. We baptized her over there. It was an amazing time. And she knew that now as a Christian, if she went back to her home country, her life could be threatened. We've been praying these last few months that she would get asylum in, here in the USA. Just this week, we got the news that asylum has been granted. And, yeah, come on. And I shared her story last night, and she came up to me at the Welcome Center. And as she came out, we started dancing. Because you see, God broke through in those dreams supernaturally. God 
does miracles. Secondly, we are invited to partner with the Lord. We're invited to partner with the Lord. We read that signs and wonders were performed by the apostles. Look at these two scriptures. First of all, Acts chapter 4 is the prayer meeting. They raise their voices together in prayer to God. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. So look at this picture, everybody. The church is asking God to perform miracles. But now look at Acts chapter 5, verse 12. The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people. This is a perfect picture of partnership. They're asking God to do it. God does it through them. From the beginning of history, God has always wanted humanity to partner with him. This makes sense of prayer. This is why we pray and we tell God what he already knows. Why? Because as he invited Adam and Eve to partner with him, fill the earth, subdue it, as he invited Noah to partner with him, as he invited Abraham to partner with him, as he invited Moses to partner with him, as he invites the church to partner with him, things happen. Micah Redding says it like this, we are involved in partnership with God at every step of the way, from healing the sick to feeding the hungry, through much greater works to come. We reign with Christ as he defeats all enemies, including death, even judging the world and raising the dead. We're called to partner. A few weeks ago, I was in Michigan speaking at a leadership conference, and during the conference, they did a private screening of a movie called Breakthrough, which is going to be in three theaters in Fort Collins around the Easter period. I've already checked this out. And they had this screening. I watched the entire movie. The pastor who was involved in this story, which 20th Century Fox have taken, spent millions of dollars making this movie, was there at the screening. Kay and I had dinner with him. Here's the story in headline. A 14-year-old boy, John Smith, in Missouri, was out playing on a frozen lake with two friends. Three of them fell into the water. Two of them got out. John did not. He sank to the bottom. He drowned, and he was under the water for 20 minutes. Finally, the paramedics arrived, and they said this is a recovery operation now, not a rescue operation. He's been under the water for 20 minutes. They couldn't find the body. They're using a pike to try and find the body. One of the paramedics, not a Christian, an atheist, heard a voice, which he thought was one of his colleagues, found out later no human voice spoke. He heard a voice that said, go back. He stepped back with the pike and found the body, pulled the boy out of the water. He's dead. They take him to the hospital. They work on him in the ambulance. He's dead. They work on him for 40 minutes. He's been dead for an hour now. And they called his mum in and they said, you can just come in and, and say your goodbye. He's been dead for an hour. And she went in the room and she began to cry out to God very loudly so that the whole emergency room heard her crying. Beep, beep, beep. He came back and they thought he would be a vegetable. He'd been dead for an hour, no oxygen to the brain. Perfectly fine, playing basketball. Here's the trailer. I'm grateful for my son, for I know that you've created him for a purpose, thus far only known to you. <laughs> Love you. Have a great day. 
He's been underwater for 15 minutes. No one can survive that long. It took a mother's strength. Please send her Holy Spirit to save my son. To bring her son back. We've got a pulse. I don't believe your son will survive the night. I'm not giving up on him. When no one else believes. You need to be honest about John's chances. He will speak life over John. Believe the impossible. We will remember what we witnessed today. There's simply no explanation. Breakthrough. Rated PG. Wednesday, April 17th. Only in theaters. That mom went into the hospital room and partnered and saw a miracle. We are invited to partner. But I've got to immediately go on to the next point, which is so important, and I want you to hear this. And that is that thirdly, we must have a theology of suffering alongside a theology of the supernatural. A theology of suffering alongside a theology of the supernatural. Let me tell you about the last couple of weeks at Timberline Church. First of all, um, every week we get a two or three page document with all of the prayer requests, all of the many needs that there are in our church. And those are simply the people who have asked for prayer through those connection cards every week. And then uh, this week we heard the wonderful news about that asylum being granted. What a breakthrough, what prayer answered. Just a few days ago we had a lovely lady, Emily, I have her permission to share this, She's going in for a very serious surgery this coming Wednesday, very serious, and her daughter is suffering from some terrible health challenges. So we've got asylum granted. We've got sickness and surgery. And then just this week, we said a temporary goodbye to the beautiful Jerry Pippin in his memorial service, and this place was so full of people, and I've never laughed so much during a memorial service in my life. And that was so Jerry. And there was a strange beauty about all three of these events, the answer to prayer for asylum, the beautiful trust, the breathtaking trust of Emily, who sat there smiling, trusting Jesus through all of these things. And and then the legacy of a life that Jerry lived and his capacity to be able to smile in the face of death. But you see, we believe in the supernatural, in the mixture of all of that. And the early church, that was true as well because they're, being, they're still being persecuted and they're being martyred. So it's not all victory, victory, victory in the classical sense. If we don't have a theology of suffering, here's what we'll end up doing. We'll end up filling in the blanks that God hasn't filled in. Yeah, you didn't get healed, did you, because of your lack of faith. How dare we say that? How presumptive. And we hurt people who are already struggling. We must have a theology of suffering. Number four. Number four, signs point somewhere to a new exodus, to the kingdom and to the king. You see... Everybody is in awe, but these were not just stunning magic tricks, these signs and wonders. They pointed to Jesus. Did you know that in the book of Acts, there are 17 episodes where signs and wonders pointed people to Jesus and there were conversions? I want to just slow down right here and say to you, if you're not a Christian... What's it going to take? 
I fully expect that when that movie comes out, the internet will be alive with people who will want to suggest that it's not true. There's 320 pages of medical evidence about that particular case. But there was, you can raise the dead and some people are saying, yeah, what's it going to take? And maybe we're not just talking about the miraculous. What has maybe God been doing in your life to try and point you to Jesus? And you've been going, oh, that was just a coincidence. That was just an emotion. Dallas Willard says this, we live in a culture that has for centuries now cultivated the idea that the skeptical person is always smarter than the one who believes. You can almost be as stupid as a cabbage as long as you doubt. <laughs> and over the course of this weekend, there have been people giving their lives to Jesus, recognizing that God has been trying to get their attention. I think that's going to happen again in the next few minutes. Number five, finally. Number five. We are called to be a people who ask. We're called to be a people who ask. Dallas Willard says, request sits at the heart of prayer. Last weekend, Pastor Darry talked about prayer, and this weekend I'm talking supernatural, and the two are so linked. How did the early church pray? Well, we read, here's a rapid overview. They prayed without ceasing, we read. They prayed individually. They prayed together. They quoted scripture when they prayed. They prayed earnestly. They prayed fervently. They prayed with thanksgiving. Where did they pray? They prayed everywhere. They prayed in the temple courts. They prayed in their homes. They prayed on the streets. What did they pray for? They prayed for healing and deliverance, Acts 3, Acts 5. They prayed for boldness to speak the word of God, Acts chapter 4. They prayed for signs and wonders, Acts chapter 4. They prayed for forgiveness for their persecutors, Acts chapter 7. They prayed for the dead to be raised, Acts chapter 9. But there's one prayer I want to point you to as we draw this to a close. They prayed run to daddy prayers. Let me explain with an illustration. Years ago, when our daughter Kelly was 16, we as a family went on vacation with another family here in America. They had a 16-year-old daughter too. And we were on a road trip and we stopped at this greasy spoon, which was pretty rough, frankly, but we were hungry, so we went for it. And the two girls decided to use the restroom and they went round the corner of this, this uh, restaurant and there was a pool table there with a couple of big hairy bikers playing pool. These gigantic men who had muscles in places where I don't even have places. <laughs> and as the girls walked past them, one of the big hairy bikers made a rather smutty and salacious comment because he saw two pretty young ladies. So my daughter turned around because she's kind of got some edge. And she said... You don't realize, buddy, that our daddies are just round the corner there and we're going to go back and tell them what you just said and I think they might come round here and give you boys a whipping. <laughs> and I overhear this. And I begin to pray. 
Even so, come, Lord Jesus. <laughs> now, I'm going to tell my daddy about you and he's going to get you. They threaten the disciples, the apostles. Acts chapter 4, 29, they run to daddy. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. They went and told God. And actually, they didn't say, and God, why don't you just smite them, nuke them? No, they said, God, intervene with strength. So what are we going to do now? We're going to ask Daddy. We're going to pray in a few moments. I'm going to invite you to come forward for prayer if you would like to receive prayer. We've got prayer team members who are going to come forward right now and be at the front here. So do make your way here immediately if you would. And we're going to pray uh, and I'm going to invite you if you would like to ask God for healing I'm going to invite you to come forward I don't want to restrict it to that if there is something you'd like to ask for from the Lord I'm going to ask you to come forward now what are we going to do well first of all we're not going to get weird okay I'm not going to change my voice and say in Jesus name or any of that stuff because God's not impressed with that it doesn't it's just style some people pray like that but you don't have to we're not going to do anything weird. We are going to anoint you with oil by anointing your hand. You say, why are you doing that? Is that some kind of magic stuff? No. James chapter 5 tells us that we should anoint the sick with oil. Why do we do that? The oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. What we're saying is we haven't got any power. But as we anoint you with oil, we're asking for the power of the Holy Spirit to come and for supernatural intervention. It might be that you'd like to come forward on behalf of somebody and stand in the gap for them. What I'm going to ask us to do is just be family. And I ask you to just to look this way for a moment, those of you at the front. I just want to say thank you for your faithfulness. Because sometimes we celebrate faith when the breakthrough comes. But we don't celebrate faithfulness in the shadow lands of waiting. And I look around here and I am overwhelmed by the unknown stories of people who just hung in there and they didn't have any feelings about it. And they didn't feel great. They didn't feel faith. But look at you. You did. And you are. And I believe that somehow heaven celebrates faithfulness in a way that we don't understand. Well done, thou good and... That's the one. Congregation, would you extend your hands in blessing? We're partnering. And so, Lord, here we are. And we ask you for intervention. 
we come in the name of Jesus, the name that is above every name. We come in the name of the Jesus who beat death. We ask you to intervene. We ask you for healing. We ask you for whatever stuff you would like to do. We say, Holy Spirit, come. And we make you a promise that when we hear stories of what you've done in these moments, we will only glorify Jesus because he's the only one worth glorifying. We agree together. greatest intervention that can happen in our lives, the greatest is when we turn our lives over to Jesus. I said earlier that I asked the question, what's it going to take? And I believe I need to give an opportunity right now for people to say, okay, I want to become a Christian right now. I want to become a follower of Jesus. And, and so we're taking time on this and uh, you know what, we might overrun a couple of minutes. How many know the universe won't explode? And so I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you want to become a follower of Jesus, you can whisper this prayer right where you are. So uh, let's just bow our heads one more time. And, and here's the prayer. So get ready if this is your decision. You're, turning, you're not just asking him to bless you. You're turning your life over to him. You're asking him to rescue you. Jesus, here I am, and I believe that there you are. Please come into my life. Please take charge. I let go of the reins of my life. Be my Lord. Forgive me, rescue me. Thank you for your death on the cross that gives me life. Thank you for your resurrection. I put my faith and trust in you now, and I now... At this moment, 11.01 on a Sunday morning, I choose, I decide, I want to follow Christ. Let's just keep our heads bowed for a moment. If you've just prayed that prayer, because that's your decision, I want to ask you please, as our heads are bowed, would you just lift up your hand for a moment, hold it up in the air, at the front here, around the building, at the back, over at the back there. Hold up that hand really high, please, and just wave it. And there are so many people who are making that choice. If you just, you can lower your hands. At the end of the service, our prayer team will be here. Here at guest services, we've got resources to help you with this decision. This is so amazing. So would you reveal yourself to each one who's responded to you? And we give you thanks and praise. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen.